Are you one of the thousands of people who have added to their family through adoption? How do you sort out all of the resources, unravel the myths, and get started? Welcome to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. On our show, we introduce you to the families, the adoptees, and the experts who can answer any questions you may have to make this the wonderful experience that it truly is. Now, here is your host, Micah Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah, your host. As always, thanks so much for joining me today. So if you were able to catch the show last week, I chatted with Kevin Hoffman. Kevin wrote an awesome book. It's called Growing Up Black and White. Kevin is an adult transracial adoptee. And we talked about what it was like growing up as a man of color in an all-white family. We started chatting about being a little boy um, in elementary school, and we went all the way through high school and college. I think it was a fantastic interview. I hope everyone agreed who had a chance to listen to it. If you did not, you can absolutely catch that um, episode on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can also um, go to my host page on Voice America, and you can check it out there. Well, as I expected, we had so many um, texts and emails and um, questions about transracial adoption. I had a lot of emails from folks who were considering transracial adoption. And I also had emails from folks who were currently in the journey of transracial adoption. So what I thought would be really cool is if today I did a little Q&A, answered some of those questions, and gave you guys a mini training of one of the courses that I offer in my mastermind group. I do a mastermind group with 10 parents, and we meet over a 90-day period, and we create what's called a cultural-centric family plan. And we start with the basics foundationally, and over that 90 days, we create a plan for where you are now and where you want to see your family grow, how you want to see your family grow. And I thought it would be kind of cool if we did an abbreviated version of that workshop. However, after the incident in Charlottesville and everything that's been going on in the news and in the media and on social media and um, every night I'm, I'm watching the news and I'm just... I'm amazed, I'm in disbelief, I'm angered, I'm confused, and I can only imagine that a lot of parents are feeling somewhat the same. So after that, I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to switch it up a bit and talk a little bit about what we need to do and how we need to talk to our children of color about what's going on. So today's show, I am going to speak specifically to white parents who are raising black and brown children. However, if you are not um, a transracial family, if you are a white parent or white parents and you're raising your biological children, or if you are an adopted family and you adopted same race children, this show is also for you. If you are a black parent or your black parents and you're raising your adopted children of the same race or your biological children, I think you might want to stick around as well. Because I think that sometimes we feel stuck as parents and we're not really sure what we're doing and we need a little help and we need some strategies and some things that we can take action on immediately. And I hope that's what we can do today. But I want to start out by telling you a quick story as to why I felt 
I needed to do this show. So I am, some of you who know me, and I think I may have mentioned this before on the show, I have a dog. He is a very, very good boy. Well, most of the time, I think some would not agree with that. But um, I walk him a lot. So, and I live in a neighborhood that has awesome walking trails, and I live really close to a YMCA. And I, I think I may have said this before as well, I am one of the few people of color in this community. My family has had this home in this community that's right outside Nashville for over 30 years. And it's a beautiful home, and we love it. And so I'm actually living in that home right now. So I... I I'm known around the neighborhood as the black woman who walks her dog and also from some folks as the cultural consultant who works with the white families. And that's fine because that's exactly who I am. So I'm really cool with that. Anyway, so I'm walking my dog several days ago and a woman that I've spoken to who adopted a daughter from Ethiopia, I think I spoke to her about eight months ago. She was out with her family playing Frisbee and I saw the daughter and we started chatting and I said, if you ever need any, you know, any support or help, just let me know. I'd be like, I would love to help you. And we moved on. I do a really soft sell because I don't, first of all, I don't think that everyone needs to have my services. You can get your information from anywhere as long as you're getting educated about raising black children. That's what's most important. So um, we chatted and I kept it moving. I've seen this woman literally two times a week, every week for about eight months because we walk on the same trail. We smile, we say hello, we say good morning, we keep it moving. A couple of days ago, I saw her on the trail. We smiled, we said hello, I kept it moving. As I'm circling back around, I see her again, and she's looking at me, and I think she might say something. She walks over to me, and she just jumps into it. And she says, are you still doing that thing with parents that we talked about? And I say, oh, you mean my transracial parenting coaching and consulting? And she says, yes. And I said, I am, absolutely. And she says, I'm just really upset. I'm really scared. I'm afraid. I don't know what to say to my daughter. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know if we should watch television. I'm not sure if we should talk about it. Are we talking about it too much? You know, is she going to hear it from me and I'm white and she's not? Is it, Am I going to say the right things? This has never happened before. She was very upset. And I thought, Okay, first of all, you have every right to be upset. Everyone, we all should be upset. But she was upset in a different way because she was she felt powerless and she just didn't know what to do. And I said to her, you know what? We can talk. I gave her my card. We can talk. We can work at work on some things. And then I thought in that in that instant, I'm going to have to talk about it on the show in case someone is listening and they have questions or concerns or they're just plain straight out afraid. We need to talk about it. So typically, when I am working with my families, we start um, on a basic level foundation. I don't know where everyone is, and so we start on a basic foundation. I give them what I call a cultural map, and they go on a tour of their home, and they I ask them to look through the eyes of their child, whether their child be African-American, African-Haitian, Latino, Asian, I tell them to go through their house, to look around their home, and to see if they see anything that represents that child's race, or how would that child feel walking through the home and seeing anything that looks like them or reminds themselves of them. Inevitably, one of the things that they see is the mirror, and they say, well, 
um, I didn't really realize that the only thing that's staring back at them that might represent them is their own reflection when I go through the house and look at the mirror. That's where we start. We start there because everyone is on a different level. It is uncomfortable sometimes for folks to talk about race. And it is really uncomfortable, I have found, for white parents to talk about race. And I think that's because no one wants to be thought of as a racist. And sometimes white people believe that just mentioning race is offensive. Um, And they don't want to be offensive. And they don't want to be looked at as someone who's a racist. What I want all white folks to know, and I hate speaking for all black people, but I think I'm going to right now. And if I'm wrong, I'm definitely going to get emails about this. I'm definitely going to get texts about it. So bring it on. If I'm wrong, I want you to check me on this, black people. But what I'm going to say is we really don't mind. We don't mind if you reference us as black. We are black. We're happy with being black. We're proud of being black. When I identify myself, I identify myself as a black woman. And that's something that we have no issue with whatsoever. I was um, at my daughter's school several years ago. I was volunteering and there was a child that came in and she left a notebook on the counter in the office. And um, the secretary came out and she saw the notebook and she said to the other secretary, oh my goodness, whose notebook is this? And I was standing there waiting to speak to the principal about something unrelated. And the secretary, the other secretary said, well, she's, you know, she had on that pink shirt. And the, secret- the other one said, no, I don't know. You know, she had on that pink shirt. And she had on that little cute little blue skirt. And, you know, she's about this tall and she has, um, I think she has a brother in like the second grade and you know her mom comes in here all the time she was saying everything she could think of about the child except for the fact that the child was black so I finally said she was the little black girl that came in and when they looked at me they looked at me like well we weren't going to say that or that's what I thought they were saying they were thinking and I could tell they just didn't want to identify this child as black that's exactly what she was. She was a beautiful little black girl who left her notebook in the office. That happens all the time. One of the things I think we need to to stop doing is we need to be we need to stop being afraid to talk about race, not culture, because culture is the fun stuff. It's the food. It's the it's the language. It's the dancing. It's the music. It's going to the festivals in your town. It's it's things like that. Culture is the fun stuff. Talking about race is not so much fun all the time, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to do it. So what we're going to do is, once we get back from the break, I'm going to talk to you about what I call the racial pyramid. I'm going to break it down in the way that I see it, and it's just Micah's take in the way that I see it, and we're going to talk about how our children might see that pyramid And as white parents, what we need to do with the different levels of that pyramid so we can get comfortable talking about race, because the first thing we need to do is get comfortable talking about race. As we go on through the show, we're going to talk about what is age appropriate and how we can talk about our children, talk to our children about race in a way that they can understand what's age appropriate in a way not to frighten them and not to confuse them and how to make sure that we're meeting them on their level. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to give you some strategies and some things that you can do at home today to make you to make you feel a little bit more powerful and to make you feel a little bit more confident if you're a transracial parent and you're 
and you're looking and thinking, what what do I need to do? And then I'm going to answer a couple of questions if we have time. I wanted, I really want to answer a couple of questions from the show last week with Kevin because I feel like that's something that I really wanted to do as well. So if you guys stick around with me today, I hope that this it, this show is helpful. I hope that it is actionable. And I hope that when we finish in this hour that we feel like we can go forward, move forward and help um, help our babies because that's what it's all about. So if you want to stay tuned with me, I'll be right back after the break. Thanks so much. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, welcome back to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah, your host, and we are getting ready to jump into... A, what I call the racial pyramid. Okay, so imagine a pyramid with the bottom part being the widest part. So on the bottom of my racial pyramid or what I what I work with my students, and just by the way, when I say my students, I'm really talking about the parents that are in my courses or um, that come to my workshops or in my mastermind groups or that I one-on-one coach. I call them my students. So when I'm working with my students, I tell them to imagine the bottom base of the pyramid. The base of the pyramid, or this racial pyramid, starts with 
I believe, a stereotype. Now, we all know that a stereotype is an idea. It's a false idea that folks attach to a certain group or members of a group. And they believe that these members think the same way and act the same way and behave in the same way. And they make a stereotype about this group of people. That's the bottom of my racial pyramid. Having a stereotype about a group of folks leads to prejudice. And prejudice is the second level of the pyramid. Now, prejudice is judging or forming ideas about someone or a group of people, and you don't actually know that group of people. You form an idea based on what you see and what you think that you know. Usually, that's based on a person's race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, um, or religion, and sometimes gender. So we, we start with a stereotype, and that stereotype leads us to form a prejudice. After we form that prejudice, that prejudice leads directly to discrimination. So discrimination is the unfair treatment of that group that we form that stereotype about. So it's an unfair group, it's an unfair treatment of a group based on those same things, race, religion, sexual orientation, um, and gender. Okay, so we have the base is the stereotype, the second level is the prejudice, the third level is discrimination. That discrimination leads to what we saw this past week. It leads to scapegoating. And scapegoat, and this, this is very important. I want folks to kind of zoom in on scapegoating. Scapegoating is blaming that group of people who you made a stereotype about, who you formed, who you have a prejudice towards, who you are discriminating against. Scapegoating that group of people is blaming them for everything that is wrong under the sun. It is blaming folks for things that they had no control over. It is blaming folks for, folks for things that they've never done, thought, ever thought in, in, in their, it, it never even occurred to some people, the things that people blame them for. And that's scapegoating. And we saw that this past week in a really in-your-face, ugly example. And I think that what we saw, and it was so vivid, and it was bright out in the in the open. There was no hiding. It used to be that if you were a racist or if you were a bigot or if you were an, um, a, a white nationalist or if you were, and I don't think we're even calling them white nationalists anymore. I think we're just hitting it with if you were a white supremacist or you're in the Ku Klux Klan, you used to hide a little bit. Now, I think what's got folks shook up is that it was just right, bam, in our face. Okay, so that whole group of folks they were scapegoating, blaming other folks, other races, nationalities, ethnic groups, religious groups for everything that is wrong in their life. And just a little side note, people who blame other folks for things that are wrong in their life really have a feeling of powerlessness and they don't know what to do about that. They, It may seem, especially to our children, that that group was really powerful but really, they're not powerful. They feel powerless, and that's how they display that feeling of powerlessness. So what we have to do is we have to teach our children what, how to respond to these things. And 
I can tell you right now, my daughter and I have had numerous discussions over these past couple of days about my daughter is 17. So and she's a black girl. And so she's she's lived and she's been there and and she's experienced things. And I've used this as a teaching opportunity to talk about things that have happened to me and and to talk about the way that I handle them. And I think that is the thing that white parents feel like they lack. White parents, I'm sorry, specifically raising black and brown children feel like they lack is that they've not experienced it themselves. So they're not sure how to talk about it. I liken it to um, if you hear some paper shuffling, guys, I'm sorry, I want to make sure that I am staying on. I have a tendency to go on a tangent. If you haven't noticed, I want to make sure that I am staying on um, task here. Okay. so um I, I liken it to when I when I'm explaining to white parents um, how what they need to know when they're raising their children and and how they need to go about this. I talk to them about um, instincts. As a woman, you know, um, I've always been a woman. <laughs> I've grown up and started out as a little girl, and I don't remember when my mother or uh, someone else, when my mother or someone else. Um, told me about what it meant to be safe as a woman. I don't remember the first time my mother set me down and said, okay, Micah, you know, you just shouldn't walk alone or you shouldn't um, you shouldn't go into dark places or like the parking garage or something. I just know that along my life, she has shared that information with me. And I have talked with other women about the things that they do to keep themselves safe. And it's not something that, you know, my mom didn't write out a curriculum about it. She just talked to me about about things because she was a woman. And you teach what you know and you know what you teach. If you are a um, white person and you're raising black and brown children, you wouldn't have that experience of racism directed towards you. And what you probably have is sympathy and outrage and and maybe you want to do something about it. Maybe you don't know what that is, but you don't have that direct correlation because it's happened to you. So you don't know how to teach it as black folks raising black and brown children or as as persons of color raising children of color. We don't write a curriculum either. We just live it and then we live by example and things happen. Unfortunately, there's so many things that are happening now that that we have a lot of examples, a lot of material. So we teach what we know and are we model behaviors and our children just kind of soak it up. Okay. What white parents need to do when they're raising children of color. And, I, and I'm going to go ahead and as far as to say white parents raising white children, because I think we can all learn something from this, from this, what's been happening that we need to, we all need to teach our children about race and about um, loving each other and accepting each other and being able to have our differences and uh, about not blaming other people and not being violent and not um, and not spreading hate. We all could teach our children about that. But we're talking about white parents. So for white parents, we, we need to go back to that racial pyramid. And we need to look at where in that pyramid do we get stuck. Um, and I asked my white parents, and I'm asking parents out there today, if you're listening, and this is not something that you need to do in the bright light of day. I think it's something that you might want to do in private. But you need to ask yourself, um, do I have any stereotypes? 
about a certain group of, of people, especially the group of people who your children belong to. So if you're if you have adopted black children, you need to ask yourself, do I have any stereotypes about black people? Black people, African American people, however you want to whatever you want to call us, do we do you have any stereotypes about black people? And be honest with yourself. If you're raising children with a spouse or a partner, I suggest that you both get into that conversation together. After you talk about do you have any stereotypes about those people? You have to ask yourself, do you have any prejudices? We all have prejudices. Just because I'm a person of color doesn't mean that I haven't had a prejudice towards a certain group before. And I'm just being 100% authentic. And I encourage you to do the same because until I can name it, I can't do anything about it. So you need to name it for yourself. Then you need to see if that led to discrimination. Have you discriminated against a, a, a person that's in the group of the child that you've raised in an instant, you need to have these conversations with yourself. And then finally, have you blamed that group for something that really they were not to blame for? Have you blamed that group for something that they were not to blame for? That's important because it is so easy for us to blame others. And um, I can give you an example. Um, There was a group of of young black boys they were playing basketball and they were bound down at the local YMCA it was outside they were playing basketball <clears throat> and I heard um and it was getting kind of dark the sun's going down and I heard um a group of of white women with their children and they said don't go over there because they might be using foul language you know they use foul language I've been I was over there with my dog I didn't hear any any foul language but they thought that those Young men, because they were black and because they were teenagers, were going to use foul language and they didn't want that their children to be exposed for that. So they they were discriminating against those young men. And those young men weren't using language like that at all. Not that I heard. So that was a stereotype. And and we do that all the time. And it's something that I think we need to, we need to call ourselves on. If we don't call ourselves on it, we can't move forward. Okay, so once we once we take a look at this racial pyramid and guys, you don't have to take notes on this. I'm going to have all this information on our website, um, adoptionunscripted.com. I'm going to have all this information. I'm going to have some cheat sheets. I'm going to have some links. So you don't need to worry about taking notes on this. And also remember, you can also replay this episode because it's in a podcast. So there it goes into podcast form. So once we have an opportunity to take a look at the racial pyramid ourselves and ask ourselves these questions, and I think it's good to maybe even write these questions, write these things down, so you can talk about them. That's 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 the first step. That's the first step. After that, you want to get into how this affects our children. Now we know that children, a, a, a lot of times, and um, this is something I hear all the time. Um, white parents want to raise their children in a colorblind society because we don't think our children, um, if we see color, then that makes us somehow discriminate because we see a, a, a person of a different color. If seeing a person of a different color and recognizing that that person is of a different color makes you discriminate against them, then you need to go back to that racial pyramid. Because act, just identifying that someone is of a different race or a different color doesn't make you um, prejudice or racist, and you're not discriminating against someone by acknowledging that. So, <clears throat> first thing we're going to do is we're going to acknowledge that we see color. 
Seeing Color is coincidentally the name of my company. And we named it that because we that's what we want everyone to do. We want everyone to see color. We're going to stop just for a minute. And I'm going to give everyone a chance to kind of soak up what we've gotten so far. And then when we come back from the break, we're going to jump into the ages and the stages of development and what we can do when talking about race with our children on their exact age and stage. So not to overwhelm them, but to make sure that it's hitting home. So you guys stay right there and we will be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, welcome back, everyone. So we're going to jump right back in. Today, we're discussing how to talk with our black and brown children about race, and especially if we are a white family, transracial family, raising black or brown children, um, how we need to go about doing that. Let me say that um, I have a really good girlfriend. She is um, a mom. She has two um, two daughters that she adopted from foster care, and um, they're black. My friend is a white woman. And... She is fantastic. Um, she's so loving. She's so kind. Um, she goes out of her way to make sure that her children know that they're loved and that they're beautiful. She talks a lot about their beautiful black skin and their beautiful hair. And she talks about their culture. And she takes them to many different activities. And there are books in her home that um, reflect her children. 
But one of the best things that she's done, and one of the things that's more important than anything, is that she brings black and brown people into her children's lives. So first and foremost, when we're trying, when we're deciding how do we talk about race with our children, one of the things that we would, that if we did this, would make everything so much easier um, is if we had more black and brown people in our life and in our in the lives of our children. That is the most um, effective way of teaching your children about race is having those people in your life at your dinner table, going to the movies with you, worshiping with you. Um, having black and brown babysitters for your children, having, we call those racial mirrors. And um, we, we, we do an exercise in one of my workshops where I help parents to find racial mirrors because it can be kind of uncomfortable to, um, for someone to try to find someone of another race specifically to bring into their, their life, especially if they don't have a lot of folks of different race in their life. And that can be an uncomfortable uh, situation and, and that's okay it's perfectly okay if I had adopted a child from um, China, I might not know everything I needed to know on how to raise this child. And I might need to look to um, Asian people to help me with that because I wouldn't be expected to know that. So please, if you're a white parent and you're raising black and brown children, no one expects you to know this stuff. Um, it's, that's not your reality. The fact that you want to know and you want to learn, that's what makes all the difference. But anyway, back to my friend, she has so many folks in her life so that her children have grown up thinking that my mother loves all people and I'm not the only black person in her life that she loves and that she cares for and that's important to her because there's not only one way to be black. There's so many ways uh, to be black. I know I went to a historically black college and when I walked in there, I thought, oh my goodness, this is the best place in the world. There are so many ways to be black. I fit in. I didn't always fit in. Um, I didn't feel like I did when I was growing up because I was one of very few black folks um, that were my friends and, and I went to school with and lived in my neighborhood. And when I went to college, I realized there's so many ways to be black and this is awesome. And you need to teach our children that there are so many ways to be whatever race they are. Okay, so let's start with let's start with um, children that are uh, young in elementary school. Let's start with them. Okay, so what the, what you want to do with young children, and even earlier than than elementary school, you want to do with with preschool children um, is first you want to make an environment where everyone feels very comfortable with race, and you want to make sure that that it's open, that you always talk about it, um, that it's not a big deal. When when you're raising, when you're a white parent and you're raising black and brown children, the there's no mystery. These children are adopted. It's obvious. And that really lends to, and that's something that um, transracial families kind of have over families that are same race adopted families because there's no hiding the fact that your children are adopted. It's right there. So that, that lends for conversation, which is awesome. So you want to create that environment where it's always talked about. It's not a big deal. It's always talked about. And um, it's something that's that's very normal. When these types of things come up, like what happened in Charlottesville, you want to say to your children, or I would recommend that you say to your children, okay, we can talk about anything you want to talk about. This is a free space. As long as we are honest with our feelings and that we are respectful, 
this is an open zone. We can talk about whatever we want to talk about because sometimes children feel embarrassed. They don't feel they don't know if it's okay, especially if you're a black child and you're being raised in a white family and there's an issue with a group of people that you represent. They don't know if it's okay to talk about that. You want to make sure if they're not talking about it, you want to bring it up in a very non-threatening, very, you know, an easy kind of casual way and start a conversation. Children at this age, sometimes it's hard for them to communicate. So they might want to, you might want to draw pictures together and sit down and say, let's draw a picture um, about how we felt about what happened. Or you might want to say, um, so let's talk about it and tell, you know, tell mommy how you felt when you saw those men on, on the television. Or I felt scared. Did you feel scared when you saw those men on the television? That might be a way for you. It's kind of leading the children to start the conversation because they're young and they don't know. As your child gets a little bit older, you can start to form and um, have more uh, succinct conversations. You can be a little bit, little bit more intentional with your conversations. Children in elementary school, they um, they know more because they experience more. So your conversation can be a little bit more um, to the point. But still, you might have to lead them a bit into the conversation. You want to talk to them about, about how they feel. You want to say, you know, um, so if you could tell those people what you feel, what would you say to them if you could tell those people? Or how do you think that the that other people feel when they, when someone is saying bad things about them? You could do that. You want to lead the conversation. You want to make sure that you talk about some really great things. Uh, you can say, I wonder if they know about this and tell a story about something that, that a black person did that was awesome and wonderful. You want to share those things because you want to balance the negative with the positive, okay? You wanna make sure that you do that and let them know that it's gonna be okay and it's not all bad. When you have, when you're getting to a middle school age child, okay, um, you when you get to the middle school age child, you want, they're, they're a little bit more sophisticated with the way that they think and so you can be a little bit more sophisticated when you talk about what happened with them. You can talk about the why. Why do you think this happened? You can talk about times in the past when this has happened to, um, let's say, specifically Charlottesville. You can talk about times in the past when the Ku Klux Klan have done marches and what they were marching against. And you can talk about what other folks did to counteract that. Be sure to bring up examples where where black people in this instance or, let's, for example, Jewish people, because they, they had a lot to say about Jewish people. You can talk about the things that they did and, and how they were strong and how they were powerful and how they were smart. And you're strong and you're powerful and you're smart just like they are. You want to remind them of that and you want them to share with you. Have they heard anything on social media? Because that's social media can be a very scary place for children and we don't always know what they're looking at and what they're seeing. So you want to make sure that you stay on top of that. But you want to encourage your middle school age child, your your young teenage child to talk about it. You want to talk about maybe the underlying reasons why folks feel this way. You might want to talk about the racial pyramid and just and explain to them where this kind of scapegoating scape scapegoating, I'm sorry, comes from and the different levels that lead you to that. Because that's a, a great way to start the conversation. When you are talking to um, middle school children, you might want to have 
I'm, I'm, I'll give you some examples of some conversation starters. You might want to say, um, like, for example, what are your feelings about what you've heard? Um, what can we do to help the victims and the victims' families? Um, because giving back helps children feel powerful. This also is a great thing that you can do for your elementary school child is to help them to give back. Like, do you want to make a card for the, the young woman who lost her life? Do you want to make a card for the, for the police officers who lost their lives? Those are things that young children like to do to feel like that they've actually been able to do something. And it changes the narrative of, of the conversation. When you get to your high school student, like my daughter, you can have really great deep diving conversations. You can talk about the history, the background information. You can take their perspective. You can give them your perspective. At this age, um, high school age, children like to become activists and they take on a cause. So you can help them to find causes that they can take on to fight this type of prejudice and bigotry. That's that's really powerful. You can start Facebook groups. You can start hashtags. You can start small groups in your community. These are things that high school students can really get into because they're looking to make change. They're all about making change, and they're and they are all about feeling powerful within themselves and what they can do. Some conversation starters for this group might also be: What are your thoughts about what happened? You really want to talk about your feelings. My daughter and I had a great conversation last night about how she felt about, um, excuse me, how she felt about, or how she, how she thought the parents of the young woman who died felt. We were watching a clip of a memorial service and it was just heartbreaking. So we talked a lot about that, that those are opportunities for us to get into that, get into the heads of our teenagers and see what they're thinking and where and where their where their mind is at. Another thing that you can do is um, to talk about this in a larger a larger picture and to see how how other countries deal with, deal with things that happen that are similar, what they're doing, what we've done in the past, some things that we can do in the future. This is a the teenagers are about <clears throat> being active and and starting movements and starting groups and feeling empowered. And this is an awesome way to feel empowered. With this group, you can talk more about racism. You can talk more, you can have more frank conversations about um, things in the past. Because it's sometimes those things can be a little bit scary to younger children, but I think that your teenagers can handle it, especially if it's coming from their parent who loves them and who cares about them and who wants them to be safe. As long as all of these conversations are being held in a safe environment and you're being open and you're being honest, and it can, it can be, especially with this age group, an anything goes, an anything goes conversation. Now, once we've had these conversations, it's great to allow our children to take a time and digest. But what we know for a fact is that something else is going to happen. So we want to give our kids a time to digest. But unfortunately, as black folks, we know that this is just another thing that we're going to talk about with our children. We could have talked about something two weeks ago, and we'll talk about something else in two weeks in the future. So in order for you not to have to start from ground zero every time, you want to keep these conversations going. You want to keep conversations not specifically about this incident, but about race 
and about what it means to be a black person, what it means to be an Asian person, what it means to be a, a, a Latin person. You want to talk about these things, what it means to be a Jewish person, religion, what it means to be transgender, what it means to be gay or lesbian. You want to keep these conversations going because you want your children to be able to come back to you when something comes up. And you better believe, unfortunately, that is going to happen. But as parents, we're the safe place. We're the soft landing. We're the comfy chair. We want our kids to feel like they can come to us and say anything to us, anything at all, and we'll be there to continue that conversation. Okay, so we've talked about the racial pyramid. We've talked about the different age groups. We've talked about the stages in development and how we need to have these conversations. When we come back from break, I'm going to give you some um, references that you can look up, some things that you can, um, some websites that are really interesting that you can go to, and we're going to try to take a couple of questions from Kevin's show last week. Okay, stay with me, and we will be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Aliens with Gas, we are the extraterrestrial rock show airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix. A phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, do. All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah Johnson, your host. And today we are talking about how to comfort, bring comfort to our children, our black and brown children, um, 
after what's been going on in our world this week. And um, it's a really important conversation. And thanks, you guys, for hanging in there with me. Um, I hope that you have found some comfort in what I've been saying today. And I want to give you some additional references um, and resources that you can go to. Like I said, if you don't have a pen um, or paper with you, that's fine. We're going to have all this information on our website. Check back with us today and we'll have it all up for you. We'll also have a couple of cheat sheets and I'll make sure to put up this racial pyramid online as well and give you guys um, some information about that too. So one of the things that Seeing Color that we do is, um, and Seeing Color is the company that I run here in Nashville. Seeing Color basically does retreats and workshops for transracial um, families. One of the things that I do is that I do one-on-one coaching and consulting and mastermind groups. And one of the things that I love to do in my mastermind groups is to give folks an opportunity to learn on their own when they're not with me in one of the groups, give them some resources. And if you're anything like me, you might be an internet junkie or podcast junkie. There's so many great resources out there, but you might not know of them and you might not have time like I do to just run around and and search transracial adopted families all day. So I want to go ahead and give you guys some places you can uh, check out that I think would be equally as helpful um, as to what we talked about today. So first, I want to talk to you about PACT. Now, PACT, P-A-C-T, the website is pactadopt.org. It is a wonderful organization. It's out of California, I believe. They also do um, camps as well, but they also have a great resource um, section on their website. So if you go to the PACT camp website and you click on Adoptive Parents, you will have a drop-down bar with so many resources on there that you can check out. You can also um, read, I think they have videos on there as well. They have interviews. It's just an awesome resource, and you should probably um, check that out if you can. There's another um, great resource online, and it's called creatingafamily.com. And it is, um, it's the National Infertility and Adoption Education Nonprofit. But they do, um, the director of that, her name is Dawn Davenport. She's awesome. I'm a really big fan of hers. And she um, has a couple of interviews that she has on her podcast that talk about transracial adoption as well. And you should absolutely check that out. She also has um, a lot of resources on there, too. So you want to make sure that you check that out as well if you get a chance. Um, There is a blog. um, It's called White Sugar, Brown Sugar. And um, this woman is an adoptive, uh, transracial adoptive mom. She has, I think, three children. Um, I think they're from Ethiopia. And she's a, quite a popular blog. And she blogs almost weekly. And she also has a, quite a Twitter following. So you can check her out as well. And um, she has great stuff. And lastly, um, or I might have actually one or two more. But I want to make sure that I get in the Black Adoptive Mom. Now, this woman is fantastic. She is a black black mother. Uh, she adopted a daughter from foster care. She's a, a, a black young woman. And she has an awesome blog. I think she was actually one of, voted one of the top blogs in 2017. So Black Adoptive Mom, if you're listening, you already know I'm a big fan, but um, you're doing it. You're really doing it. Um, so anyway, she has a great blog. And it is blackadoptivemom.com. And she, she posts regularly. And she just talks about her life as a black woman raising a black daughter. And I think it's it's something that 
not only for me, because I get toads, I mean, tons and tons and loads of stuff from her blog myself, but I think it's just also an awesome opportunity just to see, to be in the mind of a black woman raising a black child. It's helpful for me, and I can only imagine it would be helpful for white adoptive parents as well. So check that out. And she also has a Twitter following. She tweets all the time, so you might want to check that out as well. Um, I think that um, you... The more you know, the more you're comfortable, and the more you're comfortable, the more you can make your children comfortable, and the more that you can um, create an environment where they feel strong, they feel protected, and they feel confident. Um, I want to mention one more time, if you're in the Nashville area, make sure that you check out our Foster Care and Adoptive Conference. It's going to be in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I think it's September 8th, 9th, and 10th. I will be there. Um, I hope to do a live recording from there. So if you're interested in being on the show, please check me out. I'm going to be with my girl, Amy Ford. She is doing a wonderful presentation and she's asked me to pop in. So I will also be a part of that. Make sure that you check Amy out. Um, She is a mom. Um, She and her partner adopted three beautiful, and I'm just not saying they're beautiful because Amy's my girl, beautiful black daughters. They're wonderful. She also has a great following on Facebook, and you can check her out at the conference as well. If you're not at the conference, please just try to follow her on Facebook. She's awesome. And um, I think that conference is three three days. I went last year, and we talked about um, hair care and grooming. I met a lot of wonderful people. So if you're in the Nashville area or, or you're just in Tennessee and you want to take off that three days and, and do something fun and learn a lot, please come to the conference. Um, it's beautiful. And the location is great. And uh, we all had a really excellent time there. So um, next week, in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about trauma. We have some great guests coming on um, to talk about trauma. Um, I have a, one of my other women that I am such a fan of, um, Abigail from Chicken Herding. Uh, she has a wonderful blog as well. She's also the adoptive mom of two beautiful children, and she uh, is going to come on and talk about trauma. And um, you want to check out her blog. It's Chicken Herding at WordPress, I believe. And she also has a Twitter is at Chicken Herding as well. She's fantastic. And then we have an adoption competent therapist that's going to come on and talk about trauma with us as well from a clinical perspective. Some things that we can look, um, try to notice and some, some signs that we can see and then some things that we can do. And if we need to take on services for our child, how we can begin that as well. So it's coming up to the end of the show. Like always, thank you so much for joining me. Please remember to check out our new website. It's www.adoptionunscripted.com. You can also see us on Twitter at Adopt Unscripted. Um, and you can also um, go to my web, our, my host page on Voice America. We're on um, <clears throat> Twitter, Facebook. And um, remember, the show goes into podcast um, on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. I think it comes into podcast in a couple of days, but we also replay the show uh, this evening, um, I think, at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time, and 11 p.m. on the East Coast. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I know it's been a difficult week. We can only hope that it gets better. We need to stick together. We need to stay faithful, and we need to take care of our babies. All right, you guys have a great, awesome rest of the day, and I will see you next Friday. All right, guys, be blessed. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us for Adoption Unscripted. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program with your host, Micah Johnson, next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. 